Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 82 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Paige Davidson. Paige is from Lexington, Kentucky, where she took early retirement from the state, but now works for the Lexington Public Library. Welcome, Paige. Hi, Jen. It's great to be here today. Well, it's great to talk to you. And I just love libraries. You know, some of my earliest memories are going with my mother to the library and browsing around and picking Me out too. books. I have the same memories. I loved going to the library when I was growing up. Such a magical place. So, Paige, I know as a listener, you're familiar with, we like to start off by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Okay. I have a very similar 
history and dieting history to you, Jen. Mine goes back to childhood. I always loved to eat. I love food. And my mother had weight issues and her whole side of her family had weight issues. And I think that as a child, my mom saw that I may have that tendency. So I think she was really careful with me. And if she saw, you know, I just love to eat. And I think she tried to be cautious with me about how much I was eating or, you know, wanted to eat. And so I kind of figured out early on that it maybe wasn't exactly acceptable to eat as much as I wanted to. So I don't see this mentioned much on the Facebook page, but I would kind of sneak and eat. Yeah. I think a lot of us have had times where we did that. I would kind of do that too. And I don't know why. I mean, maybe it's the whole mother dieting thing. You think that could be it? You know, I think it might be, but I just thought, you know, I want these Ritz crackers and mom won't want me to eat a bunch of them. I'll just take some of them and hide them in my room. (laughs) That was my solution. Yeah. You know, I hadn't thought about that for a long time, but I can remember doing that, feeling like, you know, I shouldn't really be eating this right now, but I'm going to. And I never had weight problems when I was little. So it wasn't that, you know, my mother was worried that I was overweight, but I do recall, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. Maybe also, maybe snacking wasn't as encouraged back then in general. Yeah, we didn't really snack. We had our meals and and that was it. And um, I wasn't overweight as a child. I wasn't really over, I was barely overweight as a teenager. But when Weight Watchers came to Lexington in like 1963, my mom was one of the first members. And as far back as I remember, mom did Weight Watchers and I think starting in either middle school or high school, for sure high school, I went would go with her trying to lose weight because I thought I needed to lose weight. So what I kind of got from that was if you wanted to lose weight, you had to go somewhere. You had to go and do a program or go someplace special to lose weight. And I sort of got started with that. And I, you know, I have a long history with Weight Watchers and, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about them. I think it's a good plan, but it's still a diet that you kind of go on on and go off of. And someone is telling you exactly what to do. Right. And how much to consume and you have to weigh in in front of people. I never did Weight Watchers, which is, I think, probably surprising to people because I tried so many things, but I never did Weight Watchers, but I counted my share of calories. (laughs) Tell you that much, but I never wanted to weigh in in front of people, I guess. Maybe that was it. I don't know. Yeah, but I never was the calorie counter because that's something you do on your own. And I just really was a person who thought you had to go somewhere and do some official physician diet program. And so, you know, I kind of got started on that path. And through my whole adulthood, I went to every weight loss program that you can think of. And I mean, I could list them all. And I did Nutrisystem and Jenny Craig and Physicians Weight Loss Center. And, you know, there's just all of them. And, you know, I think we have that in common. I just tried every one of those. And succeeded in dieting my way eventually up to 315 pounds. Wow. Yeah, you know, we do have a very similar history of trying a lot of things, but the difference is I didn't go to any program. That is so interesting. I didn't go anywhere. I think my mother didn't either. She probably had like some bootleg 
Weight Watchers mimeographed sheet. I kind of remember seeing it. I think someone had like said, here, here's Weight Watchers. She would do it based on just some photocopy that she had. So she never went anywhere. So I think both of us were influenced the way we did it based on watching the way our mothers did it. Because my mom tried to do it herself and your mom went and got help. That's so interesting. So wow, 315 pounds. 315 pounds. I still can't believe it when I look back on it. But at that point, I was so desperate. And about that time was when Carney Wilson had her weight loss surgery. And I became aware of that and thought, that's it. That's what I need. So I did have weight loss surgery. That was in 2000. And it was successful. And I lost over a year and a half, about 150 pounds. And I kept that off for several years. And, you know, I would have sworn to you I was never going to gain that weight back. I just would have, I just knew I was never going to gain that back. But before you had that surgery, you had to meet with psychologists and they had to, you know, know that you were mentally fit and realistic and that went fine. But they would, they said, no, we can operate on your stomach. We can't operate on your brain. Well, that didn't mean anything to me at the time, but there was no further help or assistance with that. So You know, I went along for several years, but then slowly I kind of went back to my old eating habits. And, you know, for me, this all goes back to habits, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. But I ended up last year was back up to 250. Back in 2019. In 2019. And in between there, you know, I went back to Weight Watchers, and I, you know, I As I gained weight back, I kept trying to get it back off, but it was all the same as before. Yeah, Keith, you know, we have all tried so hard. And that's the part that, you know, people like my husband who have never struggled with weight, they really don't understand why it's such a struggle. Right. And it is a struggle. It's crazy. If trying hard was the key, (laughs) we all would have conquered it decades ago, right? Because we have tried hard. That's right. (laughs) So by last year, you know, I just, I had health problems and I felt terrible and I just was so discouraged. And, you know, one, I was so over diets because I knew in my mind diets weren't the solution. I have discovered that over time. But I finally thought, you know, there's something going on and I've got to get this figured out. So I decided to try counseling and I found a really sweet Christian counselor and I said to her, I don't know if I have a food addiction. I don't know if I have an eating disorder. I don't know if I have OCD related to food, but there's something going on. I'd like to get it figured out. That's an interesting thing to do because you're exploring your own thoughts about food in a way you hadn't before, you know, with just trying to control the amount. But, you know, the food addiction is such a perplexing term for me because, you know, with all other addictions, you go cold turkey, you know, you stop them. But food, we can't stop. We, we eat. We have to eat to live. Right. And so I started that. And about the same time, my sister, um, she and her husband had done keto successfully, you know, for several years. And she was, you know, all about keto and kind of, you know, wanted me to try that. And, you know, I had tried keto in the past and I had tried Atkins in the past. But to me, that was not sustainable. I knew I could not do that forever. And I knew that whatever I did had to be a lifestyle change. I mean, it had to be a permanent thing. I did get that. I just didn't know how to, to follow through or how to do that. 
So I was not interested in the keto, but she also told me that she was doing some intermittent fasting, which I had never heard of. And she told me about it. And my first thought was, oh no, another diet. I'm not interested. You know, I know what I would do. I would lose some, then I would gain it back and more. So I just was not interested at all. And she said, well, you know, it is supposed to reduce inflammation in your body. And I was having a terrible time with my feet. I had plantar fasciitis so bad that I had to wear a walking boot for months. At the same time, in the other foot, I had Achilles tendonitis, plus I have arthritis. And so I knew all that was inflammation. But I was limping. I could hardly walk. It was debilitating. At work, I was not allowed to wear my walking boot. And we never sit down at work, and it's very busy. Now, how could they not allow you to wear it? Uh, because it was an open-toed oh, I see. device. Yeah, okay. And okay. at the library where, where you could drop things on your foot, they have a closed-toe policy. Okay, I get it. But <laughs> yeah, I, I get like, it. How in the world could they stop you from wearing a medical... <laughs> I know. Yeah. (laughs) So I was limping around at work. I looked ridiculous, I'm sure. And I was pretty new at that job and I was embarrassed, you know. And so when she said that, I thought, hmm, about the same time as all of this was going on, I checked in your book, Delay, Don't Deny, and saw that it was about intermittent fasting. And I thought, I think I'll read this. I love that thought so much. You know, you had it on your mind, the idea of intermittent fasting, and someone was turning in the book and it came across your check-in counter or wherever you were standing when you got it. And there it was. It was just at the right place at the right time. It was exactly where it was supposed to be at that time. I really believe that. And this has been a journey for me physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually. It's been a lot of help to do all of these things that I've been doing. Okay, so I read your book and loved it. I loved how you boiled down all of the science and made it really clear and easy to understand. And when I read your book, I thought, I can do this. I really believe I can do this. And so I talked to my counselor about it because in your book, it said, if you have an eating disorder, you should not try this. And I said to her, what should I do? I mean, I really want to try this. And she said, well, we don't really know exactly what's going on with you. Why don't you try it? See what you think. If you do well with it, great. If you don't, then just, you know, we'll, we'll think about something else. So I jumped in. I mean, I really jumped in. I started with 19.5 because I was so desperate. You were to, ready to do it. I was ready. I was so desperate. And I wasn't even doing it to lose weight. I did not start it to lose weight because I was still skeptical about that part of it. I thought, well, even if I lost weight, you know, I don't, I can't imagine I would keep it off, but I'm going to do this for the inflammation. I love that. So you came into it knowing that it would help your inflammation and that was it. And ha- were you still slowly, steadily gaining weight at that point? Oh, yes, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, I was back up to almost 250, 249. So I had immediate success within two weeks. And I always have done a clean fast. I have never not done a clean fast. So I, you know, I believe so strongly in the clean fast. And within two weeks, Jen, I was not limping anymore. That's just amazing. Two weeks. Now, I did still have a lot of foot pain past that two weeks, but just the fact that I could walk normally and wasn't limping was just a miracle right there. I agree. And you know, if that had been the only thing that changed, that was huge. Oh, gosh. And, 
you know, I read your book and I read, I was doing a lot of reading during this time too. AC, The Power of Appetite Correction was a right, wonderful Dr. book that Burton you Herring. recommend. Yes, that you recommended. I love that. And so I progressed with my intermittent fasting. I quickly went to 20 hours of fasting, four hours of eating. And about September of last year, I thought, you know, I still had some foot pain, even though it was getting better. And I thought, I think I need a little extra autophagy. So I decided, and I, you know, I hate to say this because I don't want anybody to think they have to do longer fast, but I decided for me to do one extended fast per week. And what do you mean when you say extended fast? For me, it was a 43-hour fast. Okay. So that feels and I, extended. I, I know that's does. not and probably what you call extended. I want to reiterate to people that because there's a lot of terminology, and it really it's not that important what we call it, but extended fasting is when you get beyond, to me, this is you know the Jen Stevens definition of extended fasting, is when you get beyond the up-down day approach. And so if you're doing, you know, 36 to 42 or even 43 hours, you could still do that as part of the up and down day protocol. And so I don't think of that as really extended, but it sure does feel (laughs) for people who are used to having, you know, a four hour window every day and a 20 hour fast. It feels like a lot because it's double, you know, what you're used to doing. So I just wanted to make sure just to clarify what you meant by extended. So All right. So you were doing a 43-hour fast. Were you doing one a week? One a week. And I didn't feel the need to do more, but I thought, you know, if autophagy has all the benefits that I'd really believe that it did, and I still was having some foot pain, I thought, I want to do some extra each week just to help myself. And, you know, that's a really good point because some people think that you have to either do the daily eating window approach or you have to do up and down days. But it's absolutely fine to do what you've done here and have a kind of hybrid approach where you have that one longer fast a week and then you have daily eating windows the other days. And I actually talk about this in my new book coming out in June, Fast, Feast, Repeat, about blending them together and not feeling like you have to do one or the other. These are all tools in our toolbox. Yes, absolutely. So... I'm thinking between five and six months went by and my foot pain is was totally gone. Totally gone. So I was, you know, and I've lost weight. I had been very successful in losing weight and nobody was more thrilled than me that I'd lost weight. How did the weight loss go for you? Well, you know, the first couple of weeks I had huge weight losses and I know that was water weight. But I've consistently lost, you know, two to two and a half pounds a week. So at this point, I've lost about 78 pounds. That is just remarkable. I just am like pausing for a moment to let that (laughs) sink in. So we're recording this. It's the end of February. And you've lost two to two and a half pounds a week, a total of 78 pounds. That is thrilling, you know, because a lot of people who have a, a history of lots of dieting or weight loss surgery, they may get started and find that their weight is really, really slow to come down. But yours just, it just clicked right in for you then. It has been wonderful. That's great. So that's where I am right now. And I used to have a goal weight in mind. I don't really have a specific goal weight in mind anymore. I, you know, I figure that when I get to where I'm supposed to be, I'll kind of level off. Right. But I would think it would be really cool to reach 100 pounds loss sometime this year. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be awesome. How tall are you? 
I'm five seven. Okay. So you're a taller than me. So you're on the taller side. So what do you have in your mind as your goal weight? I'm just curious. Well, if I lost 100 pounds, that would put me about 149. Right. That's a nice little number. Having that tens digit be a four just feels good, right? Yes. That's smaller than I got when I had the weight loss surgery. Now it's coming from a lot, you know, higher. But, you know, if I could get, you know, around in there, one, 150, even 155, I think I would be, I mean, I think that would be so probably about good for me. 20 pounds away from that at this point. That's really great. You've had great results. How's your size changed over this time? Oh, my goodness. I just have gotten into 12s, and uh, that's pretty exciting for me. Oh, yeah. In Dr. Herring's book, you know, Appetite Correction, he talks about having, you know, your realistic goal and then your, like, ideal goal. So, you know, I think realistic for me would be 10 to 12 maybe a 10. But if I could wear an eight that I've never worn double digits, I think that would be so cool. That would, there is something very pleasing about that single digit clothing size. I can remember. Yeah, I just have never had that. It really is fun. Now I felt so good when I got to a 10. I want to caution you because (laughs) I made a mistake in size 10. You know, when I was on my way losing the weight, I felt so good at size 10 that I went crazy and bought a bunch of expensive clothes. Oh, yeah. Because I had been wearing, you know, a 16W. And so I bought a ton of clothes and then I could only wear them for a tiny amount of time. So it was a big waste of money. (laughs) Good, good problem to have, right? I have made good use of a, we have a really great consignment store here. And I have, as I've lost weight, I will go and, you know, there's nothing greater than getting a pair of pants and it's just almost too tight. And then you lose a little more, you know, exercise a little more and you can get into them and then they fit well and then they get too big and then you sell them back and buy something else. I love that. Yeah, consignment stores are a great source of clothes for me during that process too, just because you can find really great things. Now, I do want to tell everybody, don't pay attention to all the sizes that are in those in the consignment stores because sometimes things there have wacky sizing. <laughs> yes, yes, you're like right. like vintage clothes. Like <laughs> we have one, it's a consignment store that has a lot of Lily Pulitzer in it. Uh-huh. And they'll have vintage Lily Pulitzer. So like I might have a size zero skirt that's modern day that fits me now. But if it's something that's vintage, I might need an eight. Oh, they do vary. The vanity sizing, <laughs> how it's changed over time. But that's yeah, right. so the um, frequent those consignment stores, secondhand stores and the sale racks. Don't make the same mistake that I made. <laughs> I will be very careful. I bet you'll be (laughs) delighted over time with where you end up. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to hear you one day in the group talk about putting on a six. Well, you never know. And I think that for exercise, I always have walked. I just never, you know, gyms was another thing. As I tried to lose weight, I would join all these gyms and then I wouldn't go. And then I would hate to quit because I wanted, I hated to admit that I wasn't going to do it. So I would pay for a long time and not go. And then, then eventually I would quit. So, you know, walking is something that has been successful for me when I have exercised. And in December of last year, when I finally was rid of my foot pain, I thought, okay, I'm ready to start walking again. There was a time after I had lost all that weight through the weight loss surgery, I was walking a mile a day, four miles a day, and I was doing uh, weight training at home also. And I was in great shape. 
So I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to get back to that. I don't know if I can get back to 15-minute miles, but I'm going to go back to walking and doing resistance training at home and try to also, along with this, you know, get in really good shape. So the support that I've gotten through your Facebook groups has been phenomenal. I'm so glad to hear that. I really do think that having a community is just such a valuable part of the process. Oh, first I got to be friends with three other girls who wanted to explore maybe a a longer fast or an extended fast. And we got to be friends on Messenger and they have been fantastic. And then through your Connect Facebook page, I found a group in Louisville, Kentucky, that's about an hour and a half away from me, two wonderful ladies, Tammy and Tammy, they're both both named Tammy, started a local meetup. Yeah, I'm familiar with their group because one of the Tammies reaches out to me and lets me know how it's going. So tell us about that group because I at one point, just to back up a little bit and explain the whole thing, there's a Delay Don't Deny Connect group but it is only for people who are in the Delay Don't Deny advanced group. And for anyone listening, to be in the Delay Don't Deny advanced group, you had to have listened or you had to have read Delay Don't Deny or listened to it on Audible, and then you can join the advanced group. And if you're in the advanced group, you can join the Connect group. So the Connect group is where people can you know, find other people in their local area and then meet up. I actually have a coffee group that you know we meet up here in Augusta, and they're friends now. We get around, sit around on Saturdays, and we don't just talk about fasting. We talk about our kids' weddings and <laughs> moving and things like that. And it's really fabulous just to meet with them and have that local support. So I thought about, wouldn't it be nice to have official delay, don't deny support groups, you know, like a thing that people could set up, you know, not for any cost, but to have like a network. But then I realized I didn't have time to manage, you know, or supervise that sort of a, of a thing. So, you know, I want to encourage everyone, form your own support system, keep it casual. We're not going to do anything official, but I 100% want people to connect with others in their area who practice Delay Don't Deny. So tell us about that group that the Tammies have going in Louisville so other people can think about what they might do in their community. Oh, yeah. They have a monthly face-to-face meeting. In fact, by the time I found out about this, they had had one or two meetings. And I was able to go to their last meeting, and actually Tammy asked me to speak. So I did. She does a live Facebook feed from the meetings, And if you wanted to get measured, you could. No weighing. A lot of people brought clothes, and we did a clothing exchange. Oh, that's really fun. And you know, this is great because you talk about how you liked to have the group that you would go to. Now you have a group, but this group is free. It's free. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Oh, and I also want to say this. I don't want anybody to have groups like this and start like charging people to go. That would not be okay. Do not do that. (laughs) But anyone who wants to have free groups where people get together and meet up and celebrate Delay Don't Deny, I want this to be something that's free, not something where people are, you know, charging one another. It's a support and it's friends and it's community. I want it to be free. And yeah, read a book, read Delay Don't Deny and talk about that and, you know, talk about the clean fast and make sure everyone's on the same page with that. But beyond that, you know, no, no cost involved, just making it free and face-to-face. 
Yeah, we love it that this is an extension of your work, your book. You know, we that's kind of our guiding principle. You know, it's just we don't look at this as something separate. We look at this just as a local extension of all of the great work that you're doing and your Facebook pages. But Tammy and Tammy started a Facebook page. They call the group Measure Me Life. And they started a page, MeasureMeLife.com, and they're, you know, in the process of working on that. They're going to be doing YouTube videos. I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do with that. They're more techie than I am. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a YouTube video person either. People are like, are you going to do YouTube videos? I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) This is all you get, people. (laughs) (laughs) But that's been great. And some of the girls in that group were talking about walking a half marathon. In my little extended fasting group, one of the, I told the girls, you know, that I was starting back with walking. And one of them said, oh, Paige, you should walk a mini marathon. And I'm like, oh, there's no way. There's no way I could do that. And so she kind of planted that seed in my head. But then some of the girls from Measure Me Life are walking a half mini marathon in April in Louisville. And so they encouraged me to try that. So I've committed to trying that with them. Oh, wow. That does sound like so much, like such a great distance. But I just did the math and I think about it. And I remember one time it was 2015, I think, June of 2015, I was in San Francisco with my college roommate and inventor of the shot of rice diet that I talked about in Delay, Don't Deny. But we were there for a week with Cal. He was there for an Apple event, and we were there with him. And we walked so much over San Francisco one day. I was wearing an Apple watch, and I think I walked 12 and a half miles. And so I'm like, you know, I could do a half marathon. I think we did that day, right? You did. The thing that I did was it was, I knew a half marathon was 13.1 miles, but they called this a mini marathon. And I didn't think to ask how far is a mini marathon? Oh, well, how far is it? 13.1 miles. (laughs) Okay. It is half. It's half of a... It is half. It's the same thing. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be less than a half marathon. Yeah, I'll try that with you guys. And then I found out it was the same and I'm like, oh my gosh, can I do this? Yeah. But I downloaded a training schedule. I don't live close enough to go and train with them, but I downloaded a training schedule and, you know, each week I walk an extra mile, I extend, you know, I have a a long walk each week and I walk six miles today. So, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. I totally believe I can do it. I'm a little nervous about doing it in the allotted four hours, but I know I can do it. Yeah, that does sound hard, (laughs) but I'm going to cheer y'all on. I hope y'all post about it in the group. Big time when y'all are doing it in April, because I really want to cheer y'all on. Because I really have to say, as much as I love the Facebook community and the work that we're doing there, there is nothing that makes me more excited than thinking of the fact that people are actually using this to find real community. Like I've done here in my local area, these ladies that I didn't know, and now we're friends. And it's, you know, we were connected through Delay, Don't Deny. And I love that y'all are doing that too. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by Optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. 
Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Well, I actually read about your group and how you all get together for coffee. And I thought, I wish I had that here. I wish we had that here. And so I sent out a feeler on the Connect Facebook page. And I said, you know, hey, would anybody be interested in a local meetup? And then that's when Tammy contacted me and said, we've already got this going. And here's what's happening. And I was so excited. So it's been wonderful to have the, I have found just so much support through your Facebook groups and then the extension, you know, my little extended fasting group, we still call it that, my little extended fasting group, and then, you know, this local group. And I think that that has been a difference maker for me. Yeah, just when you have real people that you can connect, I mean, it's great online, you know, I I love, you know, the people that I have met online, and then we would go on the cruise, for example, and we'd never met in person, but then you instantly know them because you've interacted with them so much, you know, and you you can get to know someone online really, really well and know if you click or not, but there's just nothing that substitutes for really meeting in person. And then that bond, you know, I invited people to come to my house for the mod retreat after we had the hurricane out, you probably heard it on the podcast in August, we were supposed to go to the beach, but that got canceled. And I'm like, all right, everyone come to my house instead. And most of the, well, i I wonder how many of them, maybe half of them or some of them I had not ever met in person. (laughs) And I was like, come on anyway, I've never met you. Come to my house. You know, (laughs) that's a great way to get to know people. It's, you know, the community is real and we're so much more than just fasters. We're people who have struggled with dieting because that's the common thread that we find. You know, we've struggled with dieting and now we have freedom. Absolutely. And I think that... You know, when I think about my NSVs and I think about the weight that I've lost, of course, losing the inflammation was huge. I mean, you know, just the physical healing that I've experienced, you know, you can't even compare that to anything else. But I really think the biggest thing that I've gained is I've lost that diet mentality. 
And I think that I had diet mentality on steroids. I mean, I think that, you know, through counseling and through going through and doing IF and all that I've read on your Facebook pages and everything that I've been doing, I realized that a lot of my issues go back to habits and routines. I think I was enmeshed in this really disordered thinking concerning dieting and food and eating and health. And I slowly have peeled all of that away. And I feel like I have really healed from all of that. But you know, that diet brain that I was so black and white in my thinking, either I was all on a diet or I was totally off. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. There was no in between for me. I think we get, so many of us are just having like ding, ding, ding. Yeah. I actually have um, a section in the new book that's diet brain is the name of that chapter. <laughs> yeah. Because I, and of course you don't know that because you haven't read the book. It's not even out yet, but I'm looking forward yes, to it. I'm so glad, but you're right. The whole diet brain and losing that diet brain is really what we're looking for. Oh, that has been the most tremendous thing. That has been the piece that's been missing my whole life is figuring out how to get away from all of that kind of thinking. I was so inflexible and I thought I had to be perfect on a diet. And if I, when I couldn't be, not if I couldn't be, but when I couldn't be, well, then I would just get so discouraged and I would give up. And then I wouldn't say I ever binge. The definition of binging that I've seen is like if you get packages of cookies and boxes of this and that and eat all of that at once. I never did anything like that. But to me, binging would be eating three meals a day, huge meals and eating out every meal. Right. That to me, that was kind of my version of binging. And that's what I would do. And that's, you know, I, I got in such bad habits And I think that I stayed in those bad habits for so many years that when I started IF, I had to come up with some new habits. And when I first started, you know, I was a person who who thinks coffee is a cream delivery system. Oh, yeah. I thought I could (laughs) never, ever, ever drink black coffee. That was one obstacle. And then I was used to drinking a lot of water. But I always put crystal light peach tea flavoring in my water. And I thought, I can't drink plain water. So those were the first two things. I had to get in the habit of drinking plain water. But I did it. I got in the habit of it. And now it's fine. Oh, I have to throw something in there. This is something I've been waiting to say on the podcast. I am sitting here with my mug of hot water right now because I love to drink hot water and it's freezing here today. And did you see the post that I made in the advanced group the other day about the new name for hot water? I did. I was going to have to announce it because it was my favorite. But somebody in the group, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, so please forgive me, but she announced it in the regular group. And then I liked it so much, I brought it to the advanced group. But she and her husband, I think her husband actually came up with it. He called it M-T, capital E, lowercase m Capital T E A M T is our hot water in a mug. So I loved it. So I'm drinking my MT. <laughs> when I saw you all posting about drinking a mug of hot water, I thought, well, they're crazy. Now that's ridiculous. But I finally tried it and I like it. It's <laughs> I was so, so surprised. Soothing. Yeah, but you know, it's it's empty of anything but water. MT for anyone who didn't get it. I'm trying to say it. <laughs> Some people didn't get it in the group. They're like, what does that mean? I'm like, say it, say it. <laughs> but that's the new name. Drink your MT and enjoy it. Your hot water in a mug. But you're right. I think that beverages are really 
the number one roadblock to so many people. I mean, we spend, you know, moderating the group, we probably spend at least 50% of the time talking about what can you drink and why you can do it. Even (laughs) people really think they can't, but they really can. Yes, you can. Now, my sister suggested a kind of coffee that was not, you know, when she drinks it black, it's not bitter and it's not acidic. And so I started drinking that. And it's Kauai Coffee Garden Isle is the name of it. Is it like a Hawaiian kind of? It is. And you can get it at Kroger or on Amazon. And it is, I tried it. I I just didn't love black coffee, but I could drink it. And it wasn't bitter. And so I liked it for that reason. A little more smooth. Yeah. I started out with that. Then I found on the Facebook page the coffee hack where you could take coffee and let it get room temperature, put it in the blender with some ice and blend it, and it makes this wonderful thick foam. It's like a drink you get from Starbucks, but better. Yeah, a lot of people really love that trick too, the frothing up the coffee, putting it with the ice. Yes, and once I discovered that, that made it so much easier. So I had to develop a new routine and habit because I I thought I can't just not eat meals when everybody else is eating meals. How can I do that? So I came up with, I would drink a big bottle of water and have a blended coffee, and that was my breakfast. And then at lunchtime, I would have a big bottle of water and another blended coffee, and that was my lunch. And then I would have my snack and then my dinner. Right, because you jumped right into 19.5. I did. Now, <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> it was I made it harder on myself than I needed to, but that was out of desperation to get out of pain. I get it. You know, in the new book, I have weight, different strategies for how you can adjust and adapt. And one of them is called rip the bandaid off. (laughs) And that's what you did. You just ripped it off. And for some people, that is really the best way. You just jump right in and it's, it might be a little more physically uncomfortable at first, but then your adjustment's going to be a little shorter versus someone who wants to ease in the adjustment period might be a little easier, but it's going to take longer. So it's just, you know, you got to decide, do you want the shorter, more uncomfortable adjustment or do you want to take your time and have it kind of stretch out a little bit? And there's no right answer. That's the the key. Yeah. And I have no regrets. I'm very pleased with what I've done, you know, the whole time. And so I think it's worked out really well for me. I love it. Now, what does your counselor think? Well, she thinks it's fantastic. She was familiar with intermittent fasting, didn't really know that much about it. But, you know, I've talked to her about it. I've, you know, I've told her what I've been doing. I've been to the doctor. My blood work all is wonderful. When I told my doctor about it, she said, oh, I've had patients have really good luck with intermittent fasting. That's great. And then that was really all she said about it. But yeah, my counselor has been very supportive. You've talked to her about how it's gone for you and she's glad to hear it, that it's changed your thinking. So I wonder if she would ever recommend it to other patients. I don't know. I had her write down the name of your book and your name, and she did. And uh, she was going to read that. I haven't asked her specifically if she did, but she wrote them down and was interested in reading the book. Well, good. I just, I love to, you know, I do caution people if you have, you know, a diagnosed eating disorder. I say this in Delayed on Tonight and in the new book, you need to proceed with caution just because, you don't want to get, 
you know, caught up in old disordered thinking behaviors of restrict, restrict, restrict. But there are different kinds of disordered thinking. And so a lot of people find that this actually relieves disordered thinking. Like for me, you know, I think all those years of diet brain were super duper disordered. And now we have sanity. But I never suffered from the type of um, disordered eating where you were over-restricting and like anorexia type things. I think that's when you have to really be careful. But always, you know, keep a counselor in the loop if you've ever um, struggled with this and do it under supervision like you did. Right. Just through working with her, you know, and one thing she said was you may want to work on a a workbook that she had that was a 12-step kind of a faith-based approach to disordered eating, if that, you know, were a possibility that, you know, you have that. And I said, sure, I'll try that. So I've been doing that. And as I've gone, what I take from it is that I have not had an eating disorder as I have seen them defined. I think that my biggest problem was such disordered thinking. And, you know, through all of my work and through the support of the Facebook groups and my local support, I think that I have really worked through all of that. So you're you're losing that thinking that you were trapped in for so many decades, right? Right. Of bouncing from diet to diet and you were good or you were bad. And you talked about that you were inflexible and, you know, wanted to be perfect. And that's when, you know, we, we throw it all away. And I have just learned lately, and I think this is kind of like one of the final bits of that thinking falling away, was, you know, for a long time, I, you know, I did 24 and I did my one longer fast a week. Well, I wouldn't vary from that. And I kept seeing on the page, you know, Facebook pages, well, you can be flexible. You can change your window. You don't have to have it be the same all the time. And I was just like, no, this is what works for me. (laughs) Right. This is what I do. And I came to realize that I was being rigid again. I was being inflexible. And so I have learned that I can change my window. I can maybe have an 18-hour fast instead of a 20-hour fast to suit family gatherings and going out with friends. And it's okay. I think that's part of the process because I look back at my early days and I was a lot more regimented early on as well. It's like, okay, I'm going to have a five-hour window. I'm going to do it 100%. Now, the funny thing is, I've told this story before as well. I had a goal. I remember it was right after Cal developed the window app for me. So it was 2016. And I was tracking my eating window. And I was like, I'm going to have a perfect month with five-hour windows or less. Well, do you know how many perfect months I ever had? I don't know. Zero. (laughs) (laughs) So even though I set a goal every month, I was like, this is going to be my perfect month. It never happened because I would always have a day where, you know, the window got longer or I decided to eat lunch because my family was doing something special. And so there were zero perfect months in my life, even when I wanted to. (laughs) I know. It's just, it's just hard to be perfect, isn't it? Yeah. And then finally, it was nice to let it all go. And I haven't tracked my fast in years And, you know, people sometimes ask me, how long is your eating window? And I think I now give a more vague answer because I really don't know. Like, I'm not timing it. Yeah. And the scale, I had to get away from the scale because I was one of these people that just really let the scale rule me. And I would weigh, and if it wasn't going how I thought it should or if I was upset about it, I would let that affect my day and how I would eat. 
And, you know, early on, I just didn't feel like I was losing fast enough, which was crazy because I was doing great. But I just had to stop weighing. I know when it was, I was trying to get under 200. And I was like on a plateau, I guess, around 206. And I, it just was driving me nuts. And so I thought, you know, I've got to just quit weighing for a while. So I got away from the scale for a few months. And that was really helpful. Because you just let your body do what it was going to do, which it was going to do anyway. And the stress can really, really mess with your mind. Right. The stress of that weighing. Yeah, that's that's why I threw my scale away here in maintenance, just because I didn't want to see the fluctuations would make my diet brain come back. Yes. Even though I know better, even though it's completely gone right now, if I got on the scale and the weight was up, it would make me want to diet. Yes. And I still have to be careful about that because, you know, I weigh now more occasionally. I don't weigh every week. I weigh, you know, maybe every few weeks just to kind of check in and see where I am. And my weight actually is up about four pounds right now. And at first I was like, oh no, oh no, what am I going to do? But, you know, I'm exercising more. I know I'm building some muscle and it's not an emergency. Trust your pants. My pants are wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I really, really do want people to trust those pants. Get your honesty pants. You know, Paige, you talked about going to the consignment store, getting a pair that are tight, you know, without the give. That's what I want you to do. Get those tight pants, put them on, take photos, see how your muffin top, you know, (laughs) puffs over those pants. Look, if I put on tight pants, I have a muffin top even now, just because that's what tight pants do to your body. But take the photos from the different angles. And then even if the scale is not doing what you think it should do, but you those pants are fitting better, your body is releasing fat. I love seeing the difference in my clothes. As I've gone down in sizes, that's been the best thing. It really is. And have you taken the photos, the comparison yep. photos? Yes, yeah. I've taken photos. That's the best part, comparing them. And, you know, I actually have a set of photos that I took wearing this dress that I loved. It was a very stretchy dress, but I recreated the whole photo. It was like my husband took my picture wearing it standing in the doorway. I was going to work or something. I don't know why I took my picture. Maybe it was the first day of school. And then after I lost maybe 50 pounds, I put that dress back on and the same jewelry and the same everything. And I tried to stand in the same pose. And just like even the way the necklace hung low down on my neck. Yes. It all makes a difference. Yeah. And I'm like, look, and when you put them side by side and the scale is the same and, you know, you just see, you know, how much longer the sleeves hung down and it was really amazing. So I encourage everyone to do that because it's hard to see in the mirror. Do you find that to be true for you as well? Definitely. It's when I look at pictures that I just, you know, am amazed. Because sometimes people will say, they'll be like, you know, I'm I'm not seeing any difference and I don't think I'm losing weight. Well, you can't see it in the mirror. I also did not see myself gaining weight in the mirror. I'm going to be honest. I got up to 210 pounds and it wasn't until I saw it in a photo that I was like, ooh. Oh, it's those photos that just kill you when you've gained weight and you know you've gained weight, but you just can't acknowledge how much in your mind, you know, you just don't see it so much when you look at yourself every day in the mirror, but then those photos pop up and it's shocking. Right. And then you see it. (laughs) So don't just go by looking at the mirror, people. That's that's the advice I want to give you today because it's like we can't see those changes in ourselves. Yeah, it's hard to. It really is. And then you see it in that photo and trust the photo when you're shrinking as well. Trust those comparison photos. This episode 
is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So I have a question for you. You mentioned inflammation. You mentioned blood work. What all health improvements have you seen besides just the pain and the inflammation? Anything else? Well, my mental clarity is so, it's like night and day. I just felt like I was kind of in a fog before. And my thinking and just all of my executive function seems to be so much better. And my energy is totally crazy. You know, I just, before I lost weight and before I lost the inflammation, I think I was just kind of trudging through the day trying to get through. I don't know that I realized how bad I felt until I felt so much better. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. You know, you don't realize that you felt bad. And then in hindsight, you realize it because you feel so good. And for me, it's whenever I've taken a day to have an all-day eating and you feel bad again, you realize, oh, this is how I always felt. Yeah. I just really felt terrible all the time. So the difference is just like night and day. I just feel amazing. That's huge. And so many of us just can't express enough how important that that is and why I would never stop intermittent fasting for any reason. (laughs) I love the way I feel so much. And my skin, I didn't have bad skin, but I keep getting compliments on how great my skin looks. And so somehow that has improved. Well, we do hear that a lot. Now, how old are you? Do you mind saying you haven't said? I'm 57. Okay. Seven years older than me. (laughs) (laughs) We're so close. We are. We really are. But, you know, we see people in their photos and they just look so much more vibrant from the way your eyes look to the way your skin looks, like you're saying, and just it just shines through in the photos. Yeah, it does. You, and you can always see that. So have your eating habits changed at all as far as like the foods you gravitate towards? I kept reading that you will want to eat healthier foods, and I was skeptical of that. <laughs> I was always skeptical of everything, I guess. Oh, that's good, though. That's a good way to be. <laughs> I just thought I just couldn't picture myself, you know, 
craving healthier foods. But, you know, amazingly, that has happened. When I first started, I was a little worried about myself because I felt like I was eating so much during my window. And like I said, I have always done a super clean fast. And that was my main focus. But during my window, I I was like, man, I feel like I'm eating a lot. And I wasn't trying to do any kind of diet program, you know. When I first started trying to get healthy, like back at the beginning when I knew I had to make some changes, I checked in a book at work called Sugar Crush. And it was about how sugar is physically so bad for your body. And that kind of got my attention. And at that time, I really reduced how much sugar I was eating because I was eating a lot of sugar. And, you know, I had always heard that artificial sweeteners are really not good for you. But I mean, I drank a lot of Diet Coke and Diet Dr. Pepper anyway. And I thought, you know, I think I'm going to give up soft drinks. And so before I started intermittent fasting, I had really reduced my sugar and I had given up soft drinks already. Well, that's good. That's a a good start to not have to bring that with you. Yeah, that was helpful. So I continued with that. But then I just ate what I, you know, kind of what I wanted. But I did try to be careful about sugar and I didn't have any artificial sweeteners and I didn't have any soft drinks. But then as time went on, I mean, I really do crave healthier foods. It's pretty miraculous, isn't it? It is amazing. You know, I wouldn't eat a Brussels sprout if you made me before. And now I love roasted Brussels sprouts. Me too. I had went out to eat with my sister the other day and giant pile of Brussels sprouts on my plate. And I oh, ate them yeah. all. I <laughs> love, they were delicious. I, oh, they're so good. I love roasted vegetables. You know, I love dinner salads. So I just, my healthy eating has been a surprise to me. But, you know, it's so awesome not to weigh, measure, count, calories or macros or anything like that. It is freedom. It's really great. And I, you know, I I do try to kind of not eat too many carbs, but I don't really worry about it either. You just eat the foods that make you feel great until you're full and then you go about your day. And appetite correction, you know, that's another miracle right there because I was always a volume eater And I just didn't see that changing. But, you know, you are right when you say that there are some days you eat more and some days you eat less, and it kind of all balances out. And I have definitely found that to be true. Yeah. And, you know, people start to worry that they're not eating enough, and then they start to worry that they're eating too much. And I'm like, really, if you just listen, you know, if I have a day where I don't eat very much or my window is short, the next day... I usually get hungry earlier in the day and my body lets me know to eat more. So you really can start to listen and trust yourself and your hunger cues. And that's what Dr. Nearing taught me. And I will always be grateful to him for that. That book really just changed the way I learned to trust myself. Yes, I think that's an important book to read. Now we are almost out of time. So what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or is there anything you wish you knew when you first started? Well, the first thing I would say, first and foremost, is definitely read Delay, Don't Deny. I mean, that is just a must to me. And it really is because it's clear and it's realistic and it makes you excited about the possibility of trying this. It made me really feel like I could do it. And, you know, when my sister was sort of telling me about it, I was like, there's no way I could do that. Right. It sounds like it's going to be hard and crazy. And then you do it and you're like, oh. 
it's better than I thought. <laughs> I know. So definitely I would say to read that book. And I also think that reading The Power of Appetite Correction is really helpful, you know, starting out. It kind of gives you something to look forward to. And one other book that I, I recommend that I read, I saw this checking in and out of the library like crazy. It's called Atomic Habits. I have not read that, but I have heard very good things about it. It's by James Clear. And I really do feel like for me, my habits and routines for all of those years were very destructive. And I have changed that. And now I have really healthy habits and routines. And I think that takes away some decision making. You know, it's not even a decision if you're going to eat outside of your window. It's just I'm in the habit of keeping my window and doing a clean fast. And that's just that's just what I do. And I think that has made a big difference for me. So I would recommend that book. I think it's a really good book to read. Well, I'm going to have to read it because there are just so many people have recommended it. And I know that it comes very highly, highly recommended. And so I'm going to put it on my list. Eventually, I'm going to read again. Okay. <laughs> I'm so busy. But um, thank you for that. Well, Paige, it has been great to talk to you today. And I really appreciate you tearing, sharing your story with us. It's been, I've enjoyed talking to you too as well. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.